dig right on in, huh? No. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I feel like it's been a long time. For those of you who don't know me, I'm back. <laughs> it's been a long time. I'm happy to be here. Let me get myself situated here. I usually don't ever. Usually people come up with a Bible. Look at where we are now. We're coming up with uh, <laughs> laptops and... on Jesus' birth and suffering on earth. Um, but it's also time for us to remember the promise of his great return. If we can, before we begin, I just want to bow our heads with prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for just who you are. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for caring to us, for us attending to us. Thank you for the birth of your son. Thank you that we can come together, Lord, and just fellowship with like-minded believers um, in anticipation of your son's return. But Lord, this is not always a season of joy and excitement. It can also be a season for sadness, for pain, as Pastor said. And Lord, thank you for being our comforter in those times. Thank you for being a God who sees us, who knows just what we need in just the right amount at just the right time. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for people like our pastor and wife, my bonus dad and mom, who obedience breeds blessing. Thank you for their obedience these last 10 years. Through their obedience, you brought blessing, you blessed them, our church, the community, the city, and ultimately, this little engine that could is gonna bless a nation, Lord. We just thank you. As we dig into the word, Lord, we've, we've seen this from different lenses, through joy, hope, last week, peace, and now we view it from the lens of love, Lord. We ask that you abide in and with us today as the word goes forth. We ask that it falls on fertile ground. We pray all these things in your son's name, Jesus the Christ. Amen. 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 So each year as December draws near, many of us uh, commit to finding rest. Finding rest and rekindling connections in a season often wrought with materialism, with busyness, exhaustion, reckless spending, and dare I say, debt. Sadly for many, this could be a season of loneliness and hopelessness. We see this now in, in, in 2021, and we saw it then, 700 years before Christ's birth, um, during this time of Isaiah's prophecy. So for several weeks now, our studies have come from the book of Isaiah, the 11th chapter, 
the 11th chapter, verses 1 through 9. We view these verses through the lens of hope, joy, and last week, Sister Catherine, for peace, shalom. And today I'd like to shift our focus to love. I want us to see how God's love for us is reckless and undying, even in what may seem to be the most hopeless and sad times in our lives. So I'm going to read the verse again, a branch from Jesse. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So I mentioned earlier that Christmas season is often a time where people feel lonely and hopeless. So if you'll just draw your attention, obviously, to this image that I have, it's a fitting image for us to focus on for a few moments because it is, it is a fitting image of hopelessness and what something may look like when it's uncared for or unattended to or what some may think is unloved. Where once there was life, once there was growth, has been cut down and it's now a trunk and it represents death or decay. Excuse me, my, my nose is over here running, I'm sorry. <laughs> What used to be is no more. And this is a very fitting image that Isaiah the prophet picked up on concerning Israel at this particular time. And I won't go into too much depth. I know over the last three weeks, we thank you, Mom. Um, the last three weeks we've spoken about kind of um, really the context, what was going on in chapter 10 and 9, just before Isaiah uh, spoke this prophecy. And we'll get a little bit into that. But where there was once life, there was growth. It has been cut down and represents death and decay. What used to be is no more. So Isaiah the prophet picked up on this image concerning Israel at this particular time. The nation of Israel had seen some glory days in the past. Under the kingship of David and under his son Solomon, the nation of Israel had become a very great and mighty nation. They had enjoyed God's most abundant of blessings. But that was then, and this is now. When Isaiah the prophet lived, the glory they had once had was gone. The mighty Assyrian Empire and then after that, the Babylonian Empire would come and would conquer the nation of Israel and drag them off into captivity into a foreign land. And again, the glory days would be over. Through God's judgment, Israel would be cut down, just like this mighty tree. And all that remained would be, would be what appeared to be a dead stump. A fitting symbol of the end of hope and God's favor. But verse 1 of Isaiah, chapter 11, the prophet says... A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. 
Thinking about that dead tree stub that looks like a dead and done it looks like it's dead and done away with. But Isaiah says there will grow a shoot, similar to what you see in the picture, we saw in the picture before, from that dead tree stump. Life essentially would spring up from death. Where hope had long been, it suddenly where hope had long been gone, suddenly life sprung out of hopelessness. And so as I was studying this um, this series, this, this, this nine verses, um, it kind of brought a lesser example of, of what was going on then in my very own household. So in 2020, um, we, we were all going through, obviously, COVID, right? So I, I, I don't know if you guys know what this is. We'll get into it. So 2020, big old shutdown, right? Um, and it was sad. I mean, we, initially when it started, I was actually kind of not excited about it. But what it did to us and brought us back home, I thought, well, this is kind of cool to be with the kids. It allowed me to get a lot of, we got a lot of games. Well, Gabby Grace, as we affectionately call her, it's not as cool as Pumpkin. <laughs> I know Pastor was talking about Pumpkin last week, but we affectionately call the middle Gabby Grace. And we have Charlie Love in the back and then Lulu for our little Lauren. But um, Gabby gets this bright idea um, from this avocado that once um, it, it, it was a nutritious thing. Um, it's something that we obviously eat. There was value in it. Um, it, it. It had a pit in the middle. And so it's something that typically we would discard, throw away. You think it's dead and done. So Gabby gets this idea, I think I want to grow this thing. I read it on that TikTok, YouTube, whatever it was, but I'm going to grow, I'm going to grow me an avocado tree. That's what she thought. So anyway, if you look, if you look at this, so she tended to it. She suspended this pit over water, and she tended to it. We all kind of took turns. Charlize joined in, we were watering this thing, and we actually kind of thought she was a little crazy. Like, what is this little pit? And we, we would, the, it just got dirty, and anyway, one day, if you can see on the very bottom of this dead, decayed, something that we would throw away, a sprout, a root, sprung out from the bottom of it. <laughs> and ultimately, now I, I looked at my pictures, I couldn't find the pictures that we had, but this thing got a little bigger, we ended up repotting it, we put it outside on the patio, we were watering it then, it got a little bit bigger. Um, then we went on vacation, didn't water and it died. Like, it was cut down. been faithful and continue to water it, it would ultimately been an avocado tree. This is what, and this avocado tree would, would bear fruit. And that is, a, it just struck, that is, that is what we're going to be talking about today, that it's going to be cut down and it was a hopeless thing, something that you thought was dead and gone. And it was decayed, nothing can come from it, but a root is going to spring out and it's going to bear fruit. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So thank you for that example, Gabby, who'd have thought? Two years, two years ago. Um, but let's dig in. So she did this avocado tree, and it, it would have been a tree. So um, what she had in store again was ultimately to plant this outside, grow her very own avocado tree that would eventually bear avocados. And this illustration kind of fits what Isaiah is talking about when he says a shoot will grow up from a dead stump and bear fruit. So this shoot from this dead stump comes from Jesse. Now, we know who Jesse is. And if you guys say it's... Jesse James or Jesse Jackson, you're wrong. Who's Jesse? <laughs> Jesse's David's father, right? And so, now in the Bible, Jesse wasn't very noteworthy. We don't learn a lot about him. Um, we, we know a little bit that he might have been a man of, of provision in that he was able, there's some verses that speak to him uh, bringing food to, to many and, and bringing loaves of bread, so he must have had some, some means. But anyway, he's not as noteworthy um, as a figure as his son was, but... We really don't know too much about him, but what we do know is that he was a farmer, 
and a sheep breeder in Bethlehem. This hardly qualifies him as a royal figure, but again, what sets him apart is, that the, is the fact that um, his son David is, was going to become one of Israel's greatest kings. So this shoot that Isaiah is talking about in verse 1 really is a picture of God's Messiah coming from the ancestry of Jesse. Now we often think of Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah being a descendant of David, and indeed he is. But for some reason, Isaiah focuses not on David, but on David's father, Jesse. Because he could have said it's going to come from a stump of David, but he says it's stump of Jesse. And it's pretty significant. There are a few things that are quite noteworthy about Jesse. One of them is that he lived in the town of Bethlehem. And while Jesus had provision, David, David his son, was not born. Um, I'm sorry, not Jesus, but Jesse. I apologize, but I want to misspeak. David, his son, was not born into royalty or privilege. Similarly, the Messiah, the Son of God, would not be born into privilege. We know this through, Chris, through the Christmas story, that he was not born into privilege, but he was born in a manger. Just as David was not born and raised in a royal palace himself, but was from a little town, known as, as the least of all cities of Judah, but was a mere shepherd boy. So the new David, the new David that we'll be talking about today, would be seemingly insignificant of humble origin, without the prestige and privilege that rulers often abuse. Another thing to note is that he would indeed be another David. Now we think of David as an extraordinary man, characterized as a man after God's own heart. The same could be said about Jesus, the Son of God. He loved his father and was totally obedient to his father. He was a man after God's own heart. Other things that you think of when you think of David is what Pastor was talking about, the Psalms, that he penned many of the Psalms in the book of Psalms and, and many of the, the, the prophecies about God's Son. We think about David also from the city of Bethlehem, as I mentioned. Um, and what's interesting is Bethlehem is often called, well, Luke refers to Bethlehem as the city of David. And, and a contemporary Isaiah, of, of Isaiah, a man by the name of Micah, prophesied that this was the very place where the Son of God would be born. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. So again, this image of a shoot springing out of a dead tree stump representing the Messiah, the Son of God, would not be the one, would not be one that comes from a privileged position, but the mighty empowering of the Spirit of God, because it describes what would be true and what sets him apart. So really what we're going to dig into, what Isaiah is talking about, really is this perfect man that's going to create a perfect place for us. That is what these nine, it's a perfect man, a perfect ruler, a perfect Messiah, a perfect king, a perfect savior that's going to create a perfect place for us. Did any of you guys, when you were little, have that children's Bible? I mean, I didn't. In this children's Bible, I can remember this uh, very colorful scene of kids frolicking in this uh, beautiful green pasture. The lion, he's petting his lion. The snakes are playing on his hand, and he's leading them all. But he was, it was just a beautiful scene of, of all God's creation um, living in harmony together. And that is really what... Verses 6 through 9 are going to talk about this picturesque place that this king is going to create for us because he loves us. So, we're going to dig into two. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the Son of God would not be one that comes from a privileged position, but mighty. So, um, I love what Isaiah says in verse 2. Learning this whole thing in. Oh. Okay. Figuring this out. I love what Isaiah says in verse 2. He says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And these are all wonderful qualities because, because of the mighty spirit of God that is going to rest upon the shoot, the Messiah, the Son of God, 
it would manifest itself in the term, manifest itself in wisdom and understanding and counsel and in strength and the fear of the Lord. And when I think about those qualities, I think about an ideal government leader. When we think about our government leaders today, um, they're less than ideal. They certainly don't embody um, the spirit of the Lord. Well, they, they certainly don't embody the spirit of the Lord resting upon them, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might. Um, this is an ideal leader that if I were to think of a leader, uh, I'd want these qualities in my leader. If I were to dream of my ideal leader, um, I believe that I'd want them to possess these qualities. And, and wouldn't it be exciting if we had a leader even now that was characterized by these things? Someone who is wise, someone who's understanding and aware of the circumstances necessary to be a good leader. Someone able to give wise counsel and to be able to advise the cabinet, whoever that is. Uh, someone that would have the strength and the stamina, making them fit to do the job. Someone so knowledgeable that would be able to make wise decisions as they needed to be made. And someone who would be humble and dependent on the Lord. I would love to see a government led by this kind of leader. And the good news is that someday, we're not, someday, we're going to have a leader uh, that, that leads the government, that leads in this way. So verse 2, Isaiah is speaking of the character qualifications. So we've got the qualifications of this Messiah, of this shoot, of the root. He's saying that this shoot is going to spring up, and, and, and this shoot is going to possess these, these character uh, traits. Now verses 3 to 5 describe how those qualities are going to be used as the Messiah leaves this perfect place. So specifically, Isaiah describes how this new king will be different than any king we've known. Any different than Trump, different than any of our presidents, different, even different than Obama. I know some people think Obama was just, and I like him, but whatever, but he's going to be different than the leaders that we've seen today. So verse 3 says, and he will delight, this leader, that, that this shoot, this Messiah, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. So to see this man rule, this, this shoot. Um, and what's interesting to me that I that thought was really pretty cool, Isaiah this prophecy came about 600, 700 years B.C., before Christ. And he was speaking about it in past tense. It's kind of cool. He was speaking about this, like, past tense, as if it already happened. This is the kind of the faith. He, you know, when you guys are praying for something, sometimes you're looking for, you, the Lord gives you a revelation, you know. And, he, and even, even in this, the Lord told him to go to King Ahaz, go to Ahaz and tell him, don't take help from the Assyrians. Don't, don't take their help trust in me. And he didn't. And we're in this place. He didn't. Because that's, that's a whole other story. But sometimes we're asking the Lord, Lord, show me something. Give me a sign. I, I mean, Lord, you know, get in, the fleece wet, the ground dry, the ground wet, the, you know, the, the whole thing. But we're asking sometimes for a sign. And I just think it's so beautiful that in his great love for us, he, he, he knew that Isaiah was a man of God. He was able to give this to him to be able to encourage, to encourage us. Even now, when we're thinking about 2022 and the things that are going on, um, hearing about the passing of, of Miss Tracy's mother, hearing about Brother um, Robert in the hospital. I mean, if you hear these things like, Lord, encourage me, encourage me. And so that is what, that is what Isaiah's prophecy is. It, it, was, it was 
then meant to encourage them then. But it's so beautifully written, and it should encourage us now. Um, anyway, that was kind of a side piece, but it just, it just, it's, it's beautiful how he gives us something um, just to just to keep us encouraged. So, to see this man delighting in humble obedience to his father, he demonstrated that when he walked the earth some two thousand years ago, that he, that it would still be true when he's exalted um, when he comes again. He will execute judgment according to hidden truth rather than outward appearances. And so we get a leader who will not be swayed by the best legal argument, uh, but rather by the matters of the heart and mind. The world has never seen this kind of leader. In Christ's infinite love for us, we will see it on the day that Christ returns, rules and reigns. He will show perfect fairness to the downtrodden and poorly represented. Now this is pretty revolutionary because when you think about our poor right now, um, they're not treated so well. They're not... They don't, they don't have money to buy the best lawyers. When you think about our downtrodden people who are out in the streets who uh, might be homeless, who are suffering from mental health issues, who are suffering from drug abuse, um, they're, not, they're not treated so lovely now. But, but Isaiah is saying that this new leader is going to pay, pay special attention. Not, not necessarily special attention, but he's going to treat them like they need to be treated. He's going to love on them. He's going to care for them. Our poor, our, our people who are um, the least of them, if you will, he, he's going to see them. He's a God who sees. And so he, that is what Isaiah is saying. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. And that may be true today, but it won't be true in the Messiah's government. Finally, the poor and the downtrodden get a fair shake, like they've never seen in any time in human history. And one day he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. The authority of his word will be his weapon. He will use to defeat the wicked and the enemies. And with righteousness he will rule and with faithfulness he will rule. How desperately do we need that kind of leadership? And so when he comes back and when he rules the world in that way, there will also be an amazing scene that will unfold. Because there will be peace and harmony that the world has not seen since the very beginning. Verses 6 through 9 paint a beautiful picture of what we can look forward to when Christ returns. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. Like, really picture this. It's almost kind of funny because we're just like, it's like, how can you imagine a child leading a lion? Like, come on, I'll be a lion. Like, who does that? It's just crazy to me. It's really revolutionary. The cow will feed with the bear. They're young. And I believe when we talk about feeding because we're talking about we're going to get to the straw-like ox, what my, my spiritual mind uh, right now we eat meat right and so in this perfect place we're not going to have a cow you know or a, a lion attacking a cow eating his ribeye he won't he won't be doing that because they're going to live so I they're going to probably all going to be vegetarians when we get there just because we're not going to be eating cows and killing the cows but that's not that's not seen the cow will feed with the bear their young will lie down together the lion will eat straw like the ox the infant will play near the cobra's den, and the, the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. Just can't imagine it. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What an amazing peaceful scene. This takes me, this is what I was talking about, about that scene in the child's uh, Bible. You guys got to Google it if you didn't see it, but it's really pretty powerful. Um, to see the animal world at peace with one another, um, someone said that, you know, a wolf may lie down with the lamb, but the lamb wouldn't get much sleep. Well, in this, in this, um, in this world, the, the lamb will be able to rest right next to the wolf and probably use, use him as a pillow. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. 
Isaiah uses beautiful juxtaposition in these verses that speak to the, the peace and the love that awaits believers upon Christ's return. A wolf and a lamb, a leopard and a goat with a child, leading them, an infant near a cobra's den. What does it all mean? A lion, a lamb. A lion strong, fierce, bold. A lamb meek, mild, sacrificial. The lion and the lamb have long been paired in history and literature. And Jesus, the Messiah, we are so fervently expecting and waiting for, is both. He's a strong lion and he's a sacrificial lamb. And while we wait, we are meant to live as children of the lamb and the lion. But before we know Jesus as a lion, we need to know him as the lamb. Jesus came the first time as a lamb of God, born a baby 30 years later. John the Baptist declared, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Isaiah 53, 7, Jesus was falsely accused, treated harshly like a lamb led to the slaughtering block, like a sheep silent before her shearers. He did not even open his mouth. He was led to the cross, pierced and slain. His blood poured out for the sins of the world. And these contrasting images are used to emphasize the undying and reckless love God has for us. The lion in whom we find unimpeachable authority is also the lamb who embodies humility and meekness in the highest degree. The lion who rules the world and will rule the world and govern it in its every move is also the lamb who was meekly led to slaughter by his enemies. The lion who is known for his uncompromising commitment to righteousness is also the lamb who overflows in love to sinners like you and me. The lion whose majestic beauty captivates the human heart is also the lamb who came down from heaven to be born in a manger to take upon himself the likeness of a man and was in appearance quite ordinary and unimpressive. The lion who commands total obedience from everyone is also the lamb who in his earthly life submitted himself to obedience to the law of the Lord. The lion who could silence a raging storm with a single word is also the lamb who refused to speak or revile against those who nailed him to a cross. So what's the takeaway? What is this imagery of a shoot sprouting from the stump? What does this imagery of a shoot sprouting from a stump mean for us in 2022 during this Christmas season and beyond? Isaiah's prophecy says that even though things may look bleak, help is on the way. Even when a pandemic steals your joy, and robs you of people you love, help is on the way. Even if you've made some choices that took you down a road to nowhere, help is on the way. Even if you've lost your job or got that dreaded call from the doctor, help is on the way. He describes Mary that God is with us, and he is with us because he loves us. When you think about what was going on during this time, it was uh, their disobedience, they wanted to go their own way. Very similar to 2022. Who's going their own way, making their own choices, going to a place that looks like a dead end, um, when things look like it's all been cut down and there's no hope, there's no future, you're not tended to, no one loves you, no one cares about you. Where is the water going to come from? Where's my help going to come from? Well, well, Isaiah says it's coming. Help is on the way. You don't have to fear help is on the way. And so during this time, like when you think about we have parents in here, I know. As a parent, if we love our babies, we discipline them, right? If we, if we didn't love them, you let them just run them up, run them up. I, we joked when I, we had our third baby, um, the first one, you couldn't get, you couldn't babysit my baby, you couldn't, you couldn't breathe on the baby, you couldn't kick the baby. That third 
one over calling, what's your kid doing? Oh, they're playing in the street. <laughs> playing in the street, I don't know. But God, God has infinite love for us. He loves us, and so he disciplines those he loves. And so you look at what was going on 700 years before Christ, and that's what that was. He still loved. He still loved his people, and, and, he, and he had to discipline them. And so as, as parents, we have to do that because he loves us. And so Christmas right now, Christmas is about the coming of the promised one who will make all sad things come untrue. Kind of weird. All the sad things are going to be untrue um, when, when, when Christ returns. Isaiah describes a perfect king who will bring us to a perfect place because of his unfailing love for us. Because he loves us so much, he gives us unspeakable joy. He gives us hope when we see roses growing out of concrete. When we see uh, roots sprouting out of the trunks of a dead tree stump. When we see an avocado tree that could bear so much fruit and, and, and give us nutrients for our body come from a dead pit that many would just discard. He gives us hope. And so he describes his perfect place because of that. And so while we are waiting during this Advent season, waiting for Christ's return, don't get caught up in, in, in the presence and the lights and Santa. We need to be waiting with great expectancy, great expectancy, with joy in our hearts, with hope in our spirits, ready to encourage someone else because while we were waiting, we need to understand that he loves us. He deeply, deeply loves us. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much. Um, this is love. This is love. This is love. Uh, just a little bit of love uh, from Sister Meeks and myself. Uh, there are little succulent plants in the back. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot of watering. Uh, <laughs> So we want to make sure that every household gets one. So please, uh, as we leave today, uh, get one. Uh, let's stand to our feet and let's, let's go home. Again, I want to thank each and every one of you um, that made your way here today and worship with us. Um, again, just a couple of announcements or reiteration of the announcements that were already made is that this Friday, is our Christmas reflection service six o'clock six o'clock in the 1931 sanctuary uh, don't miss it uh, don't miss it we'll have uh, four messengers spoken word and music by our very own Joshua Deal and William Leung so you don't want to you don't want to miss that I don't want to miss that yeah. will you be shredding you will not be shredding <laughs> Who is that guy in that commercial where they, the, he's got the tall hat and uh, who is he? He's the guitar player from Oh, see. <laughs> I know they're out of Seattle. Oh, okay. They're out of LA. Who's that? Kurt Cobain. He's dead. But he's out of Seattle. Look, no, no, no. I am very hip. I can do the cabbage patch. Don't? No. <laughs> Is that a direct contact? <laughs> Good.
know what to say. What are you doing? Tony Reeves? What are you doing? It's good to laugh. It is, it is, it is so good to laugh. I want to again thank each and every one of you again. Just kind of a word of thanks to all of the, 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 the medical folks that were here last week. Again, Dr. Jackson. Um, and all, you know, um, Drew, Natalie, uh, you know who you are. I just, I just want to thank you. Stay prayerful. Let's continue to, to look to God to, to direct our paths uh, going forward as we minister to the community in a way that they need. Not what we want, not even what the community wants. You know, we can get caught up in, well, let's ask the community. Well, kids like cotton candy. You know, I just, uh, I mean, I, I get it, I get it, but we need to seek God, order our steps, just order our steps. So again, I, I want to thank each and every one of you. Uh, thank you for worshiping with us. I'll see you on Friday, won't I, shall we? Let's bow our heads and hearts. Our Heavenly Father, again, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for Christ. He does all things well. Thank you for the sweet communion of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for these women, men, and children that uh, came out to worship you and to exalt your holy name. Thank you for the message for today. Thank you for the messenger. Uh, continue to rest, rule, and abide with her and her family. Bless them as only you can and you will. Father, now as we go down from this place, watch over us, protect us, keep us from the evil one, I pray, Lord. Please keep us from the evil one. He is indeed evil. Protect us from him. But Father, I also ask that you would protect us from the, the snares of the world, the traps that, that look so enticing, that, are, that would lure us, that would, uh, we would think that that's the way to go. Um, but we know the end is destruction. And Father, I ask that you would save us from ourselves. Keep us from ourselves. Father, let us look to you and only you for everything. Father, you are the source of life. Father, now as we go down from this place, watch over us, protect us. Uh, give us traveling grace. Bring us back during the week, uh, Friday. And as we worship you again on Sunday morning. Uh, the date set aside to celebrate and to remember the birth of my Savior, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. We ask it all in his name. Let every heart say, Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Greet somebody.